so um, Vicky's like, you're going to need a title and you're going to need an outline. I'm like, uh-oh. So anyway, uh, I, I actually tried to organize the message that was on my heart. And so I got some things on paper here. And I'm hopeful that I will be able to flow freely as well as stay governed by the outline that I have. Uh, my beloved wife back there says I can do it. So I trust her. <laughs> so um, just to give you a little bit of, of a brief testimony for those of you that don't know me. Um, and it kind of, it'll help solidify the things that are written in here, which uh, just, and, and, and help, will help you guys understand why it's a reality of my life. Um, and so uh, for a long time, when I was a little guy, I was about five years old, my grandparents introduced me to the name of Jesus when I was little. Ever since then, I was conscious of him, right, but I never had the ability to do good. I was raised in a, in a heathen environment and all these different things. And so I had a, a desire to do right, but I had no power to do so. Um, and so I ended up getting enslaved to drugs, and I went to treatment center, treatment center, treatment center. I was trying to do good in my own strength. And I'm going to give you guys some examples of some of the apostles in the same way that they struggle with the same things. So um, I went to treatment center, uh, and, and, I, and I couldn't get it right. Let's see, where am I going? Uh, it wasn't until I, I tried to be obedient without trusting God. My friend Tom, he says, always trust and obey for there's no other way. But I couldn't be obedient to something that I didn't trust. I actually had to come to the end of myself and realize that God's ways were higher than mine and realize that he had provided a way, a, a pathway to salvation so for the freedom of my soul and the transformation of my life. And so as soon as I got exposed to the Word of God and the Word of God started to take root inside my heart, that was when transformation began to take place. And I'm going to tell you, church, that it was the most painful thing I'd ever experienced on the inside of me. There was so much external pressure. There was things that I can't even explain in the natural going on. And it was just, it was like a three-month process of me being born again and the Holy Ghost just renovating my heart and making room for himself inside of me. And so now that I've been exposed to the word of God and now the word of God is inside my heart, like he's given me a purpose in life and he's found me faithful to steward a family and he's given me all kinds of blessings that I could have never worked on my own or got on my own. Um, so uh, that's just a little bit of a brief testimony. And so Father, I know that no that you can do all things, and I know that no purpose of yours can be thwarted in Jesus' name. Okay, so the title to this message is it's going to be Christ in you, Emmanuel. Christ in you, God with us, which has always been his plan since the beginning of time. And I want to try and draw out of Genesis the gospel, um, because I can see it, I just don't, I can't articulate the words, so I'm going to give you guys what I can, um, and I'm going to give some New Testament definition about some of the things that are going on in Genesis still today. <clears throat> so, we're going to just start out with Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28, and it says, God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, 
over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So just a quick recapitulation of what's going on here. We have the seed of God in the heart of God and its purpose for creation. <clears throat> okay, Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. <clears throat> okay, so this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Next verse. Before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Okay, so the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man who he had formed... And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree that grows that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So just a recapitulation again, we have the seed of God in the heart of God and its purpose for creation. We have the breath of God that gets, let's, let me just go here, the soul of man gets sown into the weakness of flesh and natural vulnerability, Okay. So, okay, so Genesis 2.15, okay, it says, the Lord, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Man has always had God's given purpose to have dominion, to give an account of our stewardship, and to cultivate life in his vineyard. His plan and purpose has never changed. Okay. So, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat. For in the day you surely you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay. So this, this is the thought. It says, Deception exercises its influence. Okay. So, deception exercises his influence over the human weakness the soul of man was sown in, causing him to fall away from fellowship with God the Father and separating him unto his own wisdom. I didn't put this one in there, but Proverbs 16.25 says, There's a way that seems right to man, and the way thereof surely leads to death. Okay? So, let me see here. Genesis chapter 3. This is where the serpent tests test. He basically brings deception and tries to, to tempt man or test man. So, so now the serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? He's still saying that same thing to us today. Did God actually say? Trying to get us to doubt. You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit in the trees of the garden. But of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, we shall not eat. Or touch it, lest, you, lest we die. 
But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. The Lord knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This is the place where the lust of the flesh, the pride of the life, uh, and the desire for other things entered in. Let me just pull this verse up in the Amplified Version because it gives uh, a good explanation of what we're looking at here. So this is 1 John chapter 2. This one isn't up there either. But this is 1 John chapter 2, 15 and 16. And it says, Do not love or cherish the world or the things in the world. Anyone who loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, craving for sensual gratis, gratis, gratification, and the lust of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, assurance in one own resources or in the stability of earthly things. These do not come from the Father, but from the world himself. So we have man that separated himself from God. He choose, chose to be a God to himself, and he's basically worshiping creation. I'll get to that in a second. Okay. So when the woman saw... That the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, the wisdom of man. She took its of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Okay. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, and they. Heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? There's so many of us still today that are hiding behind guilt, condemnation, shame, self-consciousness. What's the other one? Insecurity. Okay, so these are some things that I've been walking through lately. But God is beckoning us to draw near and the... So the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life are both still here present today. We can choose the wisdom of man or we can choose the wisdom of God. We can choose to trust in God and what he says or we can choose to trust in ourselves, our natural way of thinking, and our own intellect. Okay. So guilt, condemnation, and shame. Adam hid himself in guilt, condemnation, and shame and began to blame others for his actions. He began pointing the finger blame shifting. God, it's the woman you gave me. And he's, whatever the case is. Yeah, you could, and so the thing was, is the fig leaves, guilt, condemnation, and shame, Adam began to identify with the wrong that he had committed, and it became his identity. So rather than have his identity rooted and grounded in Christ and God, he actually was identified by himself, and as a result, it was sin. So Adam's hiding in the trees of the garden. Then we got Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 11. And it says, God's saying, for this is the commandment that I command you today. The commandment that I give, command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us to bring it to us, that we may have, hear it, and do it. Neither it is beyond the sea that you should say, who 
will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering in to take possession of it. Okay, so it says that the humble and the meek will inherit the earth. God, so notice that man was created on the sixth day. Everything else was, in, was already made. God created this place so that he could have fellowship with men on the earth. His, his will has always been for us to be fruitful and to multiply, but there's conditions. We have to do it his way. We got to do it God's way or it's not going to prosper. He says, but if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but you are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. Heroin, sex, pornography, TV, doesn't matter what it is. Self, right? <clears throat> I declare to you today that you shall surely perish and you shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For he is your life and your length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. David says in Psalm 119, 25, he says, My soul clings to the dust. He says, give me life according to your word. God says, no, in God, Psalm 107, verse 20, and he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. <clears throat> Isaiah 55, verse 10. So for as the rain and the snow came down from heaven and did not return there, but watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Okay, so there's a couple things here. Um, I guess this is a good place for this. We'll go math, Matthew 13, and this is the parable of the weeds explained. So as we notice in Genesis, when we had the truth of God, and then we had the deception... Okay, so we have the tares of the wheat, we, and we have, uh, we have the tares in the wheat, we have the sons of the evil one, and we have the sons of God. This is kind of just giving a little explanation from Jesus about uh, how these things reproduce after their own kind and how the, the children, uh, uh, hey, I'm just going to read it. <clears throat> says, the parable of the weeds explained, Jesus answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. But the weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. So here we go. It says, beware of the leaven of sin and false teaching. Beware of those deceitful whispers and thoughts that get you to believe less of yourself than what God says. I'm telling you, church, this stuff, even as a Christian man struggling with these things like today, like I have deceitful whispers 
all kinds of things that are trying to attack my mind and to get me to believe less about myself than what Jesus says, to get me to succumb to a lesser identity than what Jesus has given me. I mean, it's a struggle. Jesus also said, he says that persecution will come on account of the word. And so when the word comes alive inside your heart, and it begins to make manifest, then you become a threat, and that's when you get attacked. That's when, So <clears throat> that's, that's what we deal with, especially as, as born again. It says, beware of those thoughts that arise to the throne of God and pronounce accusation against the brethren and sows discord among them and the result and results in a divided house. You're not going to be able to stand that way. Make sure we're not doubting or double-minded. Doubting God. Okay. So, as a result of things, we're commanded to take the figs leaves off and close ourselves in Christ's righteousness. The Lord has given us authority to build up, to strengthen, to encourage, and to edify. Nobody ever grows by getting cut down on the t- all the time, and trees don't grow in darkness. Okay, so, back to Genesis 3, when we had the temptation of the serpent, and he's coming in with his alluring cunning and trying to get people to separate themselves from God, worship themselves, and depend upon themselves, and basically conceive of sin, which brings forth death. Immediately, we have Romans 1. It says, for all the... Romans 1, 21. says, for all, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature, self, creation, rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Psalms 115, verse 8, it says, so just acknowledge that we're worshiping ourselves here. Those who make them will become like them. So do all who trust in them. Here's another verse. It says, uh, the Lord says, cursed is the man who trusts in man. Uh Uh-oh. (sighs) Uh-oh. Okay. So, Jeremiah 17, 5. Uh, Thus says the Lord, cursed is the, oh, here it is. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes the arm of the flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Okay, so let me see. <clears throat> James 3, 13. I've never preached like this before, so this is going all right. <clears throat> so it says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. For this is not the wisdom that comes from above, like the command God gave not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was a, that was a, I put that in there. God is earthly, uh, but, okay, so it's not like the wisdom that is from above, but it is earthly, it's unspiritual, it's sensual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be every evil work and every vile practice. Because man chose to worship and serve himself, he gives his authority to govern creation over to the influence of evil. John 10 says that he came to steal, kill, and destroy. So man gave his authority over to the influence of evil to kill our bodies, to steal our souls, and to destroy our children and our relationships. 
But the wisdom from above, verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle to yield, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Okay. I don't know why it's so hard to breathe up here. It really is. <laughs> okay. So now that we have a contrast between the tares and the wheat and how they are both growing together until the harvest, we have been subject to suffering from the works of the devil. I didn't write this verse in here, but it's coming. Okay, so this is going to be some New Testament definition about the things that are still going on. There was a season in my life when I was first coming into the presence of the Lord, and I was just, uh, I was just saturated. And I began to read in the King James verse. That's actually the one that I got born again by is the King James. I fell in love with that thing. <laughs> but through Genesis 1 through 4, like I realized, like, God's plan and purpose has always been Jesus. He's, he's, had, he's had the narrow door of the cross, right? He says that the way is narrow and, and hard and few there be who find it. But Jesus is the door. He's the shepherd. So he's the one that God has always, it's been his original plan. Okay, Romans 8. Let me, I have to go backwards again. Okay, so since man has been given dominion, in whatever, in whatever influence man decides to let into creation, those are the things that are going to reproduce, wreak havoc, build life. doesn't matter what it is. So now that we have a contrast between the two kinds, which is the sons of Adam and the sons of God in Christ Jesus, <clears throat> we've been subject to suffering. But in Romans chapter 8, Verse 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So, if you think about the whole earth designed to be the church, it says in Numbers 14, he says, Thus says the Lord, the whole earth will be filled with my glory. If this is God's garden and we're called to cultivate these things and bring glory to God, there's sons of Adam being born all the time. People are giving birth to children. They're being born into Adam. They must be born again, right? They must be born again. So that means that we need to be obedient to the gospel and take it to wherever it's not so that people can receive this new birth in Christ. Okay, let me keep going here. Okay, so here's some more New Testament definition about the first Adam and the last Adam. This is going to be 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42. So just remember what we were talking about, the soul of man being sown into the weakness of flesh. What is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. So some most translations don't put this in there. They call it a natural body. But 
it, you can actually pull it out of the Greek, and you said it is sown a soulish body. <clears throat> it has raised a spiritual body. So, for example, the soulish body. So until we're born again, until we receive the spirit of God, we're governed by the soul. If you remember in 119 when David's like, my soul clings to the dust. Like he has a desire to do good, but he has yet to be empowered by power to do so. Once again, uh, thus it is written, the first man became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of the dust. The second man is from heaven, as was the man of the dust. So also are those who are of the dust, and as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are from heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man in heaven. So that's Jesus. That's Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is the plan and purpose of God. This is the holy temple right now that the Holy Ghost comes and dwells in, right? And is ex exercising his governance through the church, right? The obedience of faith, the same thing that Abraham was obedient to before the law, before all that stuff came. It's the covenants of promise. I just found it interesting. This is just a little uh, side note. But the Greek word for in Matthew when it says this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Greek word that they use is genesis, which is the same word that they use for the book of Genesis. I just thought that was cool. <clears throat> so we're going to switch gears a little bit onto the birth of Jesus. And I just want to emphasize here how Gabriel was the first messenger to scatter seed. For the new birth. So, it says, Gabriel, this is uh, Luke, Luke uh, 1.26. So, it says, Gabriel sent from God to, Gabriel sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I'm going to tell you, church, all of us have favor with God now. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. We're getting ready to get into the stuff that really lights me on fire here in a second. So... He says, he will be great and will be called son of the most high God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. Okay, so Romans chapter 8, I don't know if I gave this one, but this is Romans chapter 8, verse 29, and I'm not sure what my thought was when I put this in here, but I'm certain it goes. So those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. So this is the plan and purpose of God all the way back from Genesis, that he might be the first among many brothers and sisters, that's all of us. Colossians 1.15 do I have to, I, I'm going to just go in there. So this is just another example 
of who Jesus is and his supremacy and the New Testament definition of how it was supposed to be from the beginning. It says that he is the image of the invincible God, the force born of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So this is just the example that we have to go through Jesus in order to be the new creation. It says in 2 Corinthians 5:17, Behold, all things have become new. Uh, I forget the rest of the verse. You guys know it. <clears throat> okay. So I'm going to continue on. I've got some little thoughts in here as I'm reading through the rest of this, uh, this birth of Jesus or the conception of Jesus. It says, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I believe and I receive. You remember Zechariah? He was like, he doubted and he got shut up. Remember, he couldn't talk. Well, Mary believed it. So in those days, Mary arose and went out in haste to the hill country of the town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Oh, here we go. And when Elizabeth heard the greetings of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Okay, so this is the importance of this is the importance of the spoken word. So we have the Logos, which is the written word of God, and we have the Rhema word of God, which is the spoken, the sword of the spirit. It says that that's what we're supposed to carry in Ephesians 6. So the sword of the spirit is the spoken word of God. And when Mary heard the spoken word of God, the anointed, or no, when Elizabeth heard the anointed word of God and, and anointed Mary, right uh, uh, earlier in the chapter, it, it said that uh, it said that John the Baptist would be born with the Holy Ghost inside of him. This is when he conceived right here, when he heard the spoken word of Mary. Because it said that the baby leaped in her womb. Boom. And I've got some more, some more New Testament definition to back up what I'm saying. Okay. It's really hard to follow this thing, but we're going for it. Okay. So, so the anointed word of the anointed woman produced holiness in the womb of another. So somebody preached Jesus. That's what I said. Okay. Uh, and she exclaimed with a, ra- a loud cry, blessed are you, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the Holy Spirit illuminated her conscience, she began to speak with revelation, the revelation of Jesus. Elizabeth knew that Mary was with the Holy One of God, right? Uh, These are just some thoughts that I had in here. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed. It's so important that we believe, church, uh, that there would be a fulfillment of was what spoken to her from the Lord. I believe. So here we go. So back to, let's just flip the page so I can read it. So uh, the seed of God and the heart of God and its purpose for creation. The soul of man and sown into the weakness of flesh and natural vulnerability. In the same way that the soul of man was sown into the weakness of flesh in the beginning, that it was over, often overcome by, so now we have the spirit of life sown into humanity 
and are victorious over its weakness. Okay, so Isaiah 55, remember when we had that verse up there? He says, I will send forth my word, and it will accomplish. That's what I have sent it forth to do. John chapter 1, verse 14, it's concerning Jesus, and it said that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Here it is, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we have seen his glory. The glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, so this is just how, okay, so Genesis 1, 11. Um, basically, in Romans 7, there's a verse, I think it's like 13 or so, it talks about how sin becomes exceedingly sinful. The first natural laws are for everything to re reproduce after its own kind. And so it says that its seed is in itself. You could actually make an orchard out of just one seed, right? One little apple seed. And Jesus was the first of his kind sown into the dust that man was sown into. So Genesis 1.11 says, And let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed. This is just a verse to convey the point. And fruit trees bearing fruit in which the seed is in itself on the earth. And so, and it was so. Jesus, okay, I got ahead of myself again. Okay, so here's where it gets good. So to die is to live is in, in the gospel. <clears throat> so Jesus came and he pioneered the example that we were all created for. And this is one of my favorite verses, and it's in Luke, John 12, 24. And it says, unless, <clears throat> unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies or falls into the earth, depending on which translation you use, it remains alone, but if it dies, it, bear much, it bears much fruit. I think the next couple verses in that, and it says that if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. So it's about dead to self, alive to God in Christ Jesus, so that we can co-labor with Holy Spirit to help execute his plan and his purpose for his lost sons and daughters, that I was definitely one. So I got a couple verses mixed together. So now that Jesus has come and he's pioneered the example of self-denial and obedience to God, it says, for this reason, the sons of God, the son of God was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil and to seek and to save the lost. So those are two different verses, 1 John 3, 8 and Luke 19, 10 that I just put together. <clears throat> now you guys are going to have to forgive me for my context because it's definitely... <clears throat> So, okay, so now that Jesus has come, and he's come to destroy the workings of the, net, the devil, he's, his, he, his, he's going to give us authority over to us as his church and his disciples. We're called to do the very same thing, but I better wait. Uh, so, and it says, now the ruler of this will, world will be cast out, and I, Jesus, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. I want to thank you, first of all, Vic, for just opening the door of utterance for me because I was really, I was like, no, I'm not going to preach. This. Anyway, it's obedience, right? And so this is the place or one of the platforms that Jesus can be exalted and the workings of the enemy can be destroyed and people can put on a new nature. Okay, so unless you can be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, so, okay, here we go. So as, uh, so there's a couple verses. Uh, it's really hard to do both of these, the heart and the paper. Uh, okay, so uh, um, so since 
we have all these external circumstances. We have the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and desire for other things. We have, we have harsh circumstances. We have selfish ambition. We have all these things that are contrary to the word of God and all these things that are demanding of our attention, whether it's our vocation, whether it's our families, whether it's so it doesn't matter what it is. Everything is demanding our attention, <clears throat> and, and, and we're called to, to look, first of all, to Jesus, okay? And so in, in 1 John, it says that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And I'm telling you guys, even as a born-again man of God, like this whole, like if I don't yield to Jesus, I was telling my wife, like if I don't yield to Jesus, I don't have any strength to overcome anything. I really don't. Like I'll just depend upon the wisdom of man. I'll revert back to old behaviors and I'll do what I've always done and I'll get what I've always got. But the, but the reality is, is that now that Jesus has come, we have the ability to enter into the holy of holies to find grace and mercy to help in times of need. And I'm going to tell you, this is the time that we need Jesus, guys. Okay. So they were like, well, when will the kingdom be restored? And Jesus is like, it's not in coming in ways that can be observed. So don't look here, don't look there, but behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Emmanuel, God with us, okay? So it's not us getting to heaven, it's heaven getting on earth, and it's heaven ruling and reigning through God's people on this planet the way that he originally intended. Okay, so it's hard to follow these thoughts, but I'm going to do the best I can. Okay, so let me just give you an example. There's many times when I'll be out in public place. I used to be a lot better at it, but the Holy Ghost will always prompt me to pray for the hurting or pray for the sick. And so often fear of man will present itself and confront faith. And oftentimes I fall victim to fear of man, which is completely contrary to what God has called me to. But fortunately, God continues to mature. He continues to be merciful, and he continues to empower me to do what he wants. So because we have a world that's enslaved to itself and it's governed by the powers and principalities and spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places that are trying to snuff out the word of God and people, we have these fears that present themselves. And even though it says, and this world we may seem small and insignificant, now we may seem. <clears throat> but keep fighting the good fight of faith, and we grow, and we will grow to be the biggest tree for all the birds to nest in. I pulled that from Matthew 13, 31. Okay, and so, of course, especially when we're pursuing the plans and purposes for God for our life, adversity is going to strike. And Jesus said, this is another compound, verse 2 and 1, says, in this world we are guaranteed trouble, but be strong and courageous because Jesus has conquered and we are more than victorious in him. So, here we go. So, this, is, this here is some more New Testament definition just to solidify some of the things that happened with Gabriel and Mary, Gabriel and Elizabeth, and the anointing that came on John the Baptist at the hearing of Mary's voice. Okay, so this is 1 Peter chapter 1, 22 and 23. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not from perishable seed like we talked about in 1 Corinthians 15, but of imperishable 
through the living and abiding word of God. James 1.18 says, of his own will he begot us. No, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits. I have no idea where this reference is at, but it talks about that we weren't born by the will of man nor the will of the flesh, but by the will of God. I'm not sure where it's at, but it's in there. It's in there. Okay, so now that we have the context that we've been given new birth by the spoken rhema word of God and the hearing of the word of God in the hearts of the people, this is where it conceives, okay? So this is where the seed of God conceives by hearing and believing. Hearing and believing. So in Mark chapter 4, verse 26, it says, the kingdom of God grows as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So we all have a co-laboring to do. We have an obligation and hopefully even a desire. Before I got here, it was an obligation. Now that I'm here, it's a desire. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, so we have, we have, uh, oh, and then, so just Luke eight eleven it says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So just like in John 1, 14, the word became flesh, the seed is the word of God. The kingdom of God grows as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. We have a joint participation in this plan of God, like he's, we're, we're not waiting on God. He's waiting on us. And, and constantly the enemy is attacking us with deception and trying to get us to do less than what God has called us to. And as a result, the first prayer that I prayed in Job 42, it says that you can do all things and no plan or purpose of yours can be thwarted, right? So they're going to come there's, They're going to come to fruition, but there's a good chance that they can be frustrated by our believing of deception and settling for lesser things than the truth. So as a result, we don't believe, we don't obey, we don't do the things that God, God has called us to. Therefore, we're not making touchdowns for the kingdom. We're actually fumbling the ball. So, okay. There's just a lot of examples in here. I don't know if I'll, I'll just give it. Okay, so this is about blind Bartimaeus. And this is the condition that I was in before, I, before Jesus came to me. It says in John 6 that says, No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. I desired to be in relationship with Jesus. I desired to do the right things. I didn't, I didn't have the ability to do it. <coughs> Bartimaeus, Mark 10, verse 46. It says, And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting on the roadside. And when he had heard that Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, the son of David, that is basically references the fact that he is the anointed king that Israel has been waiting for. <clears throat> okay. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. He's talking to his disciples. Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang out and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight, and he followed him on the way. So... The state of blindness that I was in 
says that the God of this world has blinded the minds or the eyes of unbelievers from keeping them from seeing the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reality of faith and the consciousness of God is what we're called to. But so often we settle for the natural mindset, and the only things that we can see are the things that we can touch, feel, and recognize with the natural sight. Uh, but God has called us higher. That's to seat our minds on heavenly things where Christ is seated, right? Okay. So how many among us yet? Okay. So now that Jesus pioneered the preaching of the kingdom at hand and demonstrating its power, let's take a look at the heart of Peter. So this is going to contrast Peter's desire to serve God and his inability to do so apart from, apart from Holy Spirit's power. So Simon, Simon, Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said to him, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times. Peter's heart was in the right place. Mine was too. Jesus is basically telling him, adversity is coming, Peter, and you're not going to accomplish the purpose of your heart and your own strength. Okay. So, so as a result, later we have the fruition of Peter's denial where he wept bitterly. Basically, there was a conviction of his heart that he realized, wait a minute, what Jesus said was actually right. Uh, I couldn't do what he had called me to on my own. But Jesus, he goes to the cross and suffers. Let me see here. Okay, and so this is after the resurrection, after Peter denies Jesus, after he goes into the praetorium. He's on the cross. The sky gets dark, and the disciples are off doing their own thing. I think Peter went fishing or something. And, uh, and um, Jesus, uh, Jesus came to him and he said, he said, thus it is written, I think this, this is the road to Emmaus, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending you the promise of my Father, Holy Ghost, upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Okay, so, oh, this is the end here. So now I get to get into my heart stuff. Here we go. Hang on. Hopefully I'm not 1222. Uh-oh. Okay. So the disciples denied Jesus. They were dependent upon their own strength. They had the natural mindset. He rebuked them, taught them, all these different things. But they returned to the upper room, and they were praying for the promise, for the spirit empowerment that was promised. They were in unity of mind. They were in unity of faith, and they were in one accord, praying together for the plans and purposes of God to be released, right? And so they were partnering with what God already wanted, but they had to humble themselves and acknowledge the fact that they needed him. They were in one accord, okay, and so the, then he uh, empowered them for the Great Commission. And the very next thing, uh, Peter became, became empowered to do what God had called him to. He no longer was dependent upon himself. The strength of the Lord became his, 
Okay. So just, I'll probably wrap it up soon, but I want to just give it a little bit of an example of what this conception of holiness looks like. So not only is it the word of God that gets heard in the, in the natural ear and it conceives and starts to cultivate what you would call a giving of birth to holiness. Like it's, uh, Acts 10.38 says that Jesus was the man anointed by God. So in the same way that Jesus was uniquely Jesus, so we are, are uniquely individuals still anointed by the Holy Ghost. So we're just brothers and sisters. We're just not Jesus but we're like him. Uh, so the part that I want to emphasize here is super important uh, is the fact that intimacy is the place that conception happens, right? And so in order to, con- so if you're going to give birth to God's children, it's important that you're intimate with God, right? So the bride of Christ, the church of God, usually, if you're a good husband and you're following Jesus Generally, your wife is going to reflect the things that you uh, express, right? Your, your, your light that, you know, kind of thing. And so it's important for me where I draw strength from is like this, an intimacy with God through prayer, just like that they were doing in the upper room, right? Plan- praying for the plans and purposes of God to be executed not only in my life but through it that Jesus would draw all men to himself, And as a result, my life would actually count for something. And so he could say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've actually done what I've called you to. You've humbled yourself. You've acknowledged me. Now go. If I could sum up the whole New Testament in just one phrase, it would be Christ in you, now go. Christ in you, now go. So I think that that's it for me. But Lord Jesus, I just so want to thank you for the privilege to glorify your name. I want to thank you for... Um, just the scattered seed here today. I want to thank you, Lord, for life transformation and the renewal of our souls, God. And I just pray, God, that you would continue to guide our steps as we acknowledge you and that you would be given place in the creation that you have given us to dominate uh, by your power. And so, Lord Jesus, I just acknowledge you and I thank you and I pray your blessing upon your church in Jesus' name.